Hi there, this is the Reverend Michael Lowry, pastor of East Congregational United Church of Christ in Concord, New Hampshire, and this is Love to Tell the Story. Well, as I'm recording these words today, it's Palm Sunday, which is without question one of the most powerful and celebrative days of the whole church year. A time for Hosanna shouting and palm waving, triumphant music, and lots and lots of rejoicing. However, there's much more to it than just that. In fact, if we take a closer look at this day and what it all means, we discover that there's a whole lot more detail to be discovered about Palm Sunday and what it all really means. That's the subject of today's message, which is entitled A Clearer View, and was recorded during the latest of our current online services of worship at East Church. It's based on the Palm Sunday story from Matthew 21, verses 1 through 11. And it begins with a story of a handmade quilt that has become one of our church family heirlooms. Well, no doubt you have noticed this morning that as part of our makeshift sanctuary here in the parsonage, we've, we've hung up something that I consider to be a church family heirloom. It is a quilt that was beautifully and lovingly crafted by one of our members at East Church, Donna Lee Rust. And um, it depicts the very event that we are seeking to remember and in some fashion recreate this morning, that of our Lord's Last Supper. Now, I love this quilt for a whole bunch of reasons. It's sort of become um, a little bit of our Holy Week liturgy at East Church over the past couple of years. But one of the reason, other reasons that I love it is it is because it's a recreation of one of the most recognized, iconic, and recreated paintings of all time, Leonardo da Vinci's classic work, The Last Supper, the original of which still can be seen in the place where it was created, on the wall of a dining hall of all places, in a monastery at the Santa Maria del Grazie Church in Milan in Italy. Now, you might remember that a few years back, da Vinci's painting, which is a mural actually, was fully retouched, refurbished, and renovated. It was a process that took over 20 years to accomplish, and, and it cost over $8 million, if you can imagine. And it required a small group of restoration experts to painstakingly scrape away some 500 years worth of grime on a from a priceless work of art. And really, the dirt was just the beginning. Over the years, uh, this painting had fallen victim to at least nine previous attempts at retouching. It had faced near destruction by Napoleon's troops who had used the surrounding church grounds as a stable. It survived an Allied bombing during the Second World War. And this is to say nothing at all about the huge amount of greasy buildup that had emanated from the nearby kitchen. It took paint and dirt being flaked away a millimeter at a time to get da Vinci's original masterpiece back in shape, the hope being that the Last Supper would end up being sharper, more beautiful, and intensely more colorful than it had been before. And it was. At the same time, however, you might also remember that there were 
a whole bunch of historians and art critics who began to talk about how this massive restoration project was actually doing more damage than good. And that a great many important details of the painting had been stripped away, leaving nothing more than fragments, really, of da Vinci's original work. In fact, it was estimated at the time that as much as 80% of that mural was actually lost in the restoration, with the intervening space being filled in with watercolors. So in other words, what resulted was not so much da Vinci's masterpiece, The Last Supper, as much as it was a lovingly and very carefully created, yet ultimately altered and blurred depiction of what once was. That's a very interesting thing to me. And also it seems to me that therein lies something of a parable for what we're doing here this morning. I mean, it's Palm Sunday, right? Without question, one of the most powerful and celebrative days of the whole church year. It is a time for Hosanna shouting and palm waving, for triumphant worship music, and, and lots and lots of little kids of, little, of shape, every shape and size dancing around the sanctuary with palm branches waving as the congregation sings forth its yearly rendition of the palms. Join all and sing his name, declare. Let every voice resound, unite in acclamation. Well, obviously, this year is different. And the way we're approaching this day is a little bit different. But the story we're telling is just as powerful as ever. And it carries images that are indelibly etched into our memory. The picture of Jesus calmly riding into the city on the back of a donkey as the crowds cheer and children dance. Of people spreading their cloaks on the road before them, all the while cheering, Hosanna to the Son of David, blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest heaven. And we cheer right along with them, don't we? Joyful in knowing that our cries of Hosanna this morning, even the ones we cry remotely, are simply a prelude to the larger shouts of Alleluia next Sunday when we discover the empty tomb and we hear the good news that, that Christ is risen and he is risen indeed. See, we know this story very, very well. And yet, and yet I dare say that like the refurbishing of da Vinci's masterwork, our retelling of this incredible story risks blurring a few of the details. Like, for instance, one thing, the fact that Jerusalem, this whole city that was in turmoil, as Matthew describes it, might not have been crying out so much for joy on that fateful Palm Sunday as for rescue. It's important, you see, to note that Hosanna, this word that we've long associated with, with joyous proclamation, and in fact it is joyful, but it's also a word that in the original Hebrew actually means save us now. So in one very important sense, what those people gathered along the streets of Jerusalem were doing that day was crying out for help because they saw Jesus as the one who was bringing that help. 
the one coming in the name of the Lord to deliver them from Roman oppression, to resurrect the dominion of King David and, and thus revive Israel's hope and its power. All in all, suggesting a different kind of atmosphere than one of unbridled singing and dancing. Of course, that's where the crowd misunderstood. Jesus had not come to resuscitate the rule of David. He had come to manifest the reign of God. He had come to bring forth a time when every relationship relationship in every setting would be embodying of divine love and justice, when poverty would be replaced with abundance, and where God's peace would come to all and abide with all. So it, it is what we knew it to be, but it was more. And can you see where, how, where the details of that particular story, even on that day, could have become blurred? This is especially true when we consider the details of what happened next. All those details, all those painful details. The details of how in just five short days, our Jesus, the son of David and God's own son, the one who was proclaimed as coming in the name of the Lord, would literally be abandoned by those closest to him. The details of how he was shoved from one judgment to the next, from the powers that be that wanted no part of him, and how he was then sentenced to die. But not before being stripped, mocked, ridiculed, and beaten without mercy. Not before the very instrument of his execution was placed upon his shoulders so he could be forced to carry it through the streets to the outskirts of the city all accompanied by the sounds of of hundreds of angry voices jeering him as he staggered by. The same crowd, the very same crowd who had just a few short days before this had been shouting those joyous hosannas in his direction. And what about the ringing of the hammer as it strikes upon the nails driven into his wrists and ankles? What about the realization that this one who was born a savior This very one who has promised us to be a wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting father, prince of peace, was now being hung on a wooden cross, left out on a hot desert day to die a long and slow and excruciatingly painful death between two common criminals. See, that's the thing about Palm Sunday, you see. Once you get a clearer view, the truth of the whole story begins to fall into place. And as they say, it's not pretty, but it is necessary. You know, I I think the reason that I love this picture of the Last Supper so much is because it does truly depict that moment just before the events of our Lord's Passion began to unfold. It also serves as a reminder that is as tempting as it is for us as Christians to move straight from Palm Sunday Hosannas to Easter Alleluias, there is no avoiding the painful details of the cross. I mean, it's understandable that we want to, especially now, because even as people of faith, we have a hard time even to understand why celebration must lead to crucifixion and why triumph must give way to tragedy. 
we ask ourselves, why? Why must the suffering and pain of Jesus be real? Why does there have to be this most horrible, excruciating death? Friends, it's the singular question for which all of humanity has for centuries cried out for an answer. Why must there be the cross? But you see, as, as hard as that question is, the answer is really kind of simple, and it's clear. It's for love. It is love. God's love, seen and personified in the person of Jesus Christ crucified. It is a love so great that it brings God's reign into every heart that has ever torn itself away from God. It is a love that is so deep and so full and so all-encompassing that it lifts you and me up out of our shame and disgrace and saves us with the vindication that we need before God. Moving us out of judgment. Moving us out of our limited mortality and into an eternity with Him. It is a love, beloved, that demands our attention and calls for our devotion. Ultimately, friends, that's the reason we're here today. It's this glorious truth that that has drawn us today out of our isolation, away from our fear in these strange and uncertain times we're in. And it's what's bringing us, even in this virtual setting, to the kind of fellowship and support and hope that I dare say we're all desperately in need of right now. We're here, friends, for the love of it all. The clarity of life and light that our Lord has given us by his sacrifice on his, on his cross. We are here today to walk with Jesus, to walk with him from the streets of Jerusalem to the hill of Golgotha, to take our place at the foot of his cross so that we can once again bear witness to the greatest love the world has ever known and that we can ever know. And the best part of all, friends, is that it's a gift, a gift of grace and infinite love. And it's offered to us here and now by a Savior who is truly dying to love us. It's love, friends, that gives us life. And it is love that will see us through these difficult days we're in, understanding that what he gives us in love is life that's true, abundant, and eternal. In the words of the old hymn, for dearly, dearly he has loved, and we must love him too, and trust in his redeeming blood, and try his works to do. Let's come now to the Lord's table, and as we do, may our thanks be to God. Amen. And that's the message entitled, A Clearer View. And it was recorded on April the 5th, Palm Sunday, as part of our current series of online services of worship at East Church. You should know that because of ongoing concerns regarding the coronavirus, it's looking like we'll be continuing these online services for the foreseeable future. 
And so we'd like to invite any of you who might like to join us via Facebook Live to come to the East Congregational United Church of Christ Facebook page every Sunday at 10 a.m. This is one way, at least, we can be together in the spirit of prayer and fellowship. And right now, that is everything. So I hope that you can be with us. And with that, we're at the end of another episode of Love to Tell the Story. This is Michael Lowry, and I thank you once again for listening. And I thank you for your continued support of this podcast. And by the way, I'd love to hear from you right now. I'd love to know how you're doing in the midst of all that's going on around us. You can do that by pressing the message button on the podcast page online, or by contacting me directly through the Love to Tell the Story Facebook page. Either way, I do hope you'll keep in touch. And so until next time, stay healthy, stay home, keep up that social distancing, and may God bless you with a great day each day. Talk to you soon.